Hey, uh, my name is Ross, and normally uh, every week I get to stand up here and open God's Word with you, but this morning I get to introduce the man who will open God's Word with us this morning. And Dr. Bruce Ewing uh, was a founding pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Tulsa, where he served 30 years, and now he works for the president of Dallas Seminary, where he travels around uh, this part of the country, encouraging pastors, uh, counseling, and uh, just coming alongside uh, men and women that are leading churches. And, and all that aside, beyond that, uh, every pastor needs a pastor, right? And Pastor Bruce is my pastor. Uh, for 18, the first 18 years of my life, actually, from the time I was four through college, I did some internships in college under Pastor Bruce, but Pastor Bruce was my pastor. So this morning, you get to hear from your pastor's pastor, which is... Um, Exciting for me. I hope uh, it's it's uh, exciting for you, and I hope you'll uh, give him your attention. One of the things Bruce um, has marked my life, he's marked my family's life, and he's marked this church, uh, whether you know it or not. But one of one of our visions uh, as a church here in Frisco, in the North Dallas area, is to be a church uh, that really takes the Bible seriously, and uh, to be students of God's Word. And one of the things that, as a child growing up, I always knew. Uh, about Fellowship Bible Church was that uh, I was in a place that really valued the Word of God. And Bruce uh, is not like uh, many pastors. He's not uh, stiff. He's not unapproachable. He's a regular guy. He drives race cars. He uh, cheers for uh, pathetic college football teams uh, in Norman, Oklahoma. But uh, he's a regular guy. Everybody's a sinner. You know, everybody's a sinner. Uh, he's a regular guy, but and, and, and you've got that feel as you visited uh, his church, but you also knew through 40, uh, 45 minutes every morning that we were going to open up the Bible, and that church was built upon the foundation and the authority of God's Word. Even though we had jokes and even though we had a fun time and it was a relational atmosphere, uh, we knew that every week we were going to learn from God's Word. We were going to open it up, and uh, we were actually going to go for a swim in God's Word. So I hope you brought your swim trunks. I hope you brought your floaties if you need them. Uh, if you don't have uh, a copy of the notes uh, that you got at the door, would you raise your hand, Jody, and some others are going to, or if you need a pen, we have some extra pens. Uh, the notes are actually also on our CC app. If you're, a, if you're an e-note person, you can find them on our uh, CC mobile app as well. But raise your hand if you need a pen or a copy of the notes, and we will bring that to you. And as we're doing that, Pastor Bruce, would you come on up and open God's Word with us? I love you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Ross. Did you say I had 45 minutes? About 25 minutes. He originally said 15 I'm a little bit self-conscious today. My wife is upset with me because she said, Honey, uh, your socks don't go with your shirt. And do you know how I feel about that? Don't give a rip. If you would, I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Is there anyone here this morning besides me that struggles a little bit with inferiority? Come on, Come on Shay. <laughs> I really wrestled with that. I still do at times. Uh, as a middle child, I was abused. 
My parents loved my older brother more than me. My sister was good looking. She could get by with murder and I was caught in the middle, didn't know where I fit. And I think we're going to talk about that just a little bit this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 8. We'll get right after it, okay? But before we do that, each one of us have come this morning with a different anticipation, with a different felt need, with a different um, need. Let's leave it at that. And what I'd like to do is to take just a few seconds to allow each of us to, in the quietness of our own heart, go before the Lord and just simply say, Holy Spirit, teach me this morning. We've got a gold mine in these pages right here. And not to dig deep into it and take advantage of what God has so graciously provided is sin. So I don't care what our past is. I don't care what our heritage is. Let's ask God to speak to each one of us in a very personal and very direct and very convicting way. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher this morning. And we come to you to teach us. I pray that you would remove all distractions, whether they're black, white, and red socks, or whatever else might be put before us. And I just ask that you would teach us. In a supernatural way, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You ready to rock and roll? Deuteronomy, or uh, Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. When I consider, when I meditate, when I take the time out of the day to back off and say, God, it's not about me. It's not about my work at 8 o'clock beginning in the morning. Right now, I want to consider all that you have provided. I want to consider you and your creation. If you would like to flip over to Psalm 19, just a few pages to the right. It takes and develops this thought just a little bit further. Beginning with verse 1 of, of Psalm 19, 
The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the wonder of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. There's a, there's a, there's a, almost an uncomfortable silence that the psalmist is talking about here where he doesn't have to say a word. It's just his presence that screams at us about himself and his character and who he is, his majesty, his power. Some of us even cry when we hear that silence. Their line has gone out through all the earth and the utterance to the end of the world and... In them, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And it rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there's nothing hidden from that heat. When I was a small boy, I must have been five, maybe at the most six years old, probably around four. In central Oklahoma, we had this snowstorm. And there wasn't always big snowstorms, but boy, there was about a foot of snow on the ground. And I remember it was about 10 o'clock at night, about the time the evening news began. Without my parents' knowledge, I bundled up in my old coat that had belonged to my brother. I put on the boots that belonged to my sister. I was abused as a child. And I went out into that cold and I put the hood up over my head. You know what I did? I laid flat out on that snow in central Oklahoma and look straight up. It was almost like there was a celestial gravity that was just sucking me into the heavens and the stars were so clear that night. It was quiet. I could hear dogs barking two miles away. And I asked myself the question, where do I fit into all this? A little farm boy. No one knows. Uh, when I was probably nine years old, my father let me run the tractor. And there were times I would run that tractor 15 hours a day because I was abused as a child. <laughs> My brother got to go swimming. I'm playing with you. But one of my most, two of my most favorite times when I was on that tractor was when I'd go out about five o'clock in the morning and crank up the old W9 International and put the plow in the ground and I would see that orange glow. And it would become brighter and brighter. And then I'd see just the crest of the sun began to spring up and it just seemed like it just ignited from that point on. Then I really wanted to wait and see what happened and so that evening around 8.30 I'd see it get darker and darker and I'd see that sun just drop into the horizon. And as soon as it dropped, there it was again, all those stars. They hadn't changed a bit. How much time do we take to just consider him? How much time? We're just too busy, aren't we? 
We're just too busy to see the most remarkable master. We were in St. Petersburg, Russia one time, and I remember going up to a Monet. They would have let us reach out and touch it. I couldn't believe it was not protected. But you look at the work of the artist. Wow, what a privilege. Rare. Friday morning, about 6.30, I was driving to the church. Been in one horrendous rainstorm. I mean, there were cars off the side of the road, and I was hydroplaning and got over on the Sam Rayburn. I was headed east, and I saw something that was just literally breathtaking. There was just a little break over in the east, and the sun was coming up. And in the midst of all the rain, all the darkness, it was like a brilliant flash that just shot out at me. Overwhelming. Gives me goosebumps now to think. There was only thing more exciting to me that morning. When five minutes later, I had a privilege of sitting around a table with a group of men and listening to them pray for each other and for this church. You're not there at 6.30 in the morning. It's almost as good as a sunrise. I would encourage you to be a part of it. Take that time and just consider him who created us, the heavens and the earth. It's really interesting as you continue with Psalm 19, you go ahead and you read about the significance of God's word. I mean, he takes it there and brings it right into here. And that's why the word is so precious to us and how it dictates our life. It changes everything about us. Well, let's go back to Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens from the mouths of infants. Verse 3, when I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou shouldst take thought of him? Remember the question? Where do I fit into all this? And I would imagine most every one of us are asking that question this morning. Where do I fit into all of this? Where do I fit into this culture? Where is my value? Would you read verse 9 of chapter 8? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic. Begins in verse 1 with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Verse 9, it concludes with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the, word, all the earth. Smack dab in the middle, sandwiched between those two incredible passages of Scripture in the context of all of his creation. He gives us the answer as to where we fit in. What is man that thou shouldst take thought of him, or the son of man? That thou shouldst care for him. For thou hast made him a little lower than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Now, what does that say about our self-image? 
Is that not powerful? Just a little lower than God and his angels who created all this stuff, who's in the midst of it. It's a revelation of a very himself. And just a little lower than him is Vicki. Elizabeth. There's Jim. Scott. Shay. I cannot embrace that. I cannot get my arms around that. And he, not only that, but I don't care how we feel about ourselves right now, what our past has been, because of God's grace, he has crowned us with glory and his majesty. Boy, we need more of that. I don't get it. But I do know this, the more I'm able to comprehend that, it changes everything about me. That is my significance. It's not my job. It's not my looks. It's not my being the middle child of a family. That has nothing to do with it. It all has to do with what God has done and the fact that in his creation, he crowned me with glory and majesty. See, this distinguishes who we are. In Ephesians chapter 2, in my notes there, you'll see point one, discovering our significance. It's in our position. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you might want to make a note. Do you want it says? I'll tell you. Because as a person who never knew where he fit, this tells me. For you and I are his handiwork, his craftsmanship. The same fingers that created the heavens and the earth created you and me to reveal that in good works. If we look at Psalms 139, we read the beginning around verses 12, 13, 14, 15 through there, it talks about how we were intricately designed and made by God himself with no more effort than what it took to put a star in place. Elizabeth, I don't get it. But the more I begin to focus on that, and the more, and I can't stress enough this word consider, the more I consider that, all of a sudden it begins to make a difference. And it helps me understand my purpose and my role and where I fit. Does that make sense? Want to take a little further? In verse 6, Thou hast made him to rule over the works of thy hands. God has assigned to you and me a stewardship to take care of our dogs. To take care of our lawns to rule over all of his creation. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes. By the way, let me back up. Not only does it define our value and where we fit into, do you know what this does? It tells us a little bit about how we treat the other person. This is pivotal in this study. 
How do I treat someone who, along with me, has been created just a little lower than God and the angels? I love Marilyn. Is she here now? She's probably working some. Oh, there she is. Marilyn and I have been created just a little bit lower than God and his angels, but above all other creation to give us a sense of responsibility and opportunity. Can you imagine what that mindset would, the effect that mindset would have if we had that as a part of our next political election? Brings a chuckle, doesn't it? That's how out of touch we are. I grew up in Major County in Oklahoma. There wasn't a black person in the entire county. Went to college, the white people and the black people all sat on different parts of the student union. You just don't meet each other. Went out to California to work with Campus Crusade for Christ and Watts was burning because white people and black people couldn't get along with each other. Went to Kent State University. Linda and I worked up there for several years. Went to the head basketball coach, Frank Truitt, for the Kent State Golden Flashes. He said, Bruce, there's a guy you need to talk to. I said, who's that? He says his name is Doug Johnson. He said, he's on the same track with you. He, he, I think he would really respond to you. So I never will forget this as long as I live. I went up and knocked on the door of Johnson Hall. I figured maybe one of his relatives built the building, which wasn't true. And I never will forget it. It's a little glass placard on the wall or on the door, 217, room 217. I walked in, I said, Doug, my name's Bruce. Um, we visit a little bit. Coach Tripp told me to come and visit with you. I sat down and I shared the gospel with him. And I shared that passage that says, but as many as received him, that them gave he the right to become the children of God. I said, Doug, have you received Christ? He says, yeah, with my grandmother. I was 12 years old. I said, what did you become when you received Christ? He said, a son of God. I said, it was almost the same time in my life when I received Christ, what did I become? He said, a son of God. I said, Doug, what does that make us in relationship with each other? I don't know if I've ever seen anyone as black as Doug was. He had the most fantastic afro. He had the whitest teeth I've ever seen. He reached his hand out and he says, we're brothers. And that's a part of the majesty of all this creation. It determines how we view our responsibilities. Can you imagine being entrusted with this creation? 
God says, I want you to care for it. I want you to take care of it. See, we would never have to have another class on ecology or or, or what's a big thing now to be uh, politically correct? We have to protect the environment. Well, that would never be, that never be an issue when we realize what we've been entrusted with. That which is most precious that we've been... Um, Linda and I were given a gift with of a Yadro a number of years ago. It, it's, it's, it's the most fantastic porcelain. It stands up about this high. We keep it in a glass case. We protect it from our grandchildren. <laughs> it's the picture of Jesus carrying the cross. You can take the thorns, every one of the thorns in his crown is just perfectly matched, as sharp as a tack. I have no idea what that piece of art is worth. I have no idea how to value that work of art just like I have no idea of how to value you as one who's made just a lower than God and his angels, but above all creation, but we protect it. We respect it. This is what the church is about. A lot of how we not only view ourselves, but how we view each other and how we Accept that responsibility of, do you know what the word rule means there? It means, it's, it's like a rudder that, that drives a ship through a storm. We're caretakers. We're responsible for each other with that gentleness and the grace and the mercy of God himself. Let's take a little bit further, okay? Uh, we'll go ahead and cover this, break for lunch, and be back at one. If you would, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Genesis. We'll work our way through Revelation before the day's over. Genesis chapter 1, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What he's doing, what, what Moses is doing here, he's, he's taking and, and giving kind of a commentary of what David witnessed night after night after, as he took care of his sheep. And God said, let there be light. Verse 9, God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse. In verse 14, verse 20, God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and birds. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind. And then something really dramatic happens. Do you remember in Psalm 8, verse 5, and God made man. He didn't say, you exist. He didn't say, let there be. He brought those fingers out and he began to weave us, as it said in Psalm 139 in our mother's womb. And God made man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, there's something interesting about that. When he says God created man in his image, the, the translation of that is an exact representation of. 
I can look at you. What's your name? Janine? You just reveal to me what God's like. Because you're in his image. Julie, you are a revelation. This is kind of funny because we had fun the other night and I embarrassed her and she's not forgiven me, so I'm going to pour it on right now. Where's God? God created. You're a revelation, an exact representation of God. I don't think that we all look alike, but it's that character. It's that the different stars, the different, the moon, the sun in his image, in his likeness. And why in the world would he do that? There's three R's. The first one is to reflect that image. God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit, three people created male and female through the power of the Holy Spirit. He takes plurality and gives us one as a reflection of who he is. That's why Centennial Church is a revelation of the character of God. When people drive by here, when they come to worship, they say, that's what God's like. When people look at our marriages, they say, that's what God's like. Not only are we to reflect the image of God, but we're to reproduce that image. I think that's twofold. Number one, I believe it's in human reproduction. That we raise our children in the admonition, the character, and build that. The greatest compliment I've ever had in my life is when I was in seminary and one of our professors was wanting to go for a weekend and my parents have a, had a place out on the lake in western Oklahoma and I said, Bob, why don't you go stay there for a long weekend? He says, you think they'd let me? And I said, sure, that's why they've got the place. He goes and spends a weekend with them. They wind up spending most of the weekend with my mom and dad. I come back after chapel. I see Bob in the coffee shop and he laughs at me. I know I grew up a middle child in a farm and was abused as a child. And he laughed at me and I said, what's so funny, Bob? He said, you're just like your dad. <laughs> Can you think of anything that would make God more pleased than to walk up to you and say, you're just like me? but you don't know what I did in college. God says, I don't care. My grace took care of that a long time ago on the cross. You got a wild bunch here, Ross. <laughs> to reproduce it. Here, here's, I think the, it's also spiritually. I think for us as a congregation to think in terms of who do I know that's out there that needs to hear what and see who we are in here so that we can multiply ourselves in the lives of people? The, Paul said that the, the things which you've heard and seen in me and trust the faithful people who will teach others also. Corwin's doing that right now. He's back working with two and three-year-old rugrats. 
what a privilege to be able to take that, that opportunity to reproduce that in other people. And then we've already talked about the third R, and that's to rule with the grace of God. That's not harsh, not shaking our fist. I call ourselves God whisperers. Any mean horse is not beat into submission, but whispered into submission. And that's the role that we need to take as parents, as friends, people who are struggling with certain issues that we never thought we'd ever struggle with. And by the love and the grace of God to just get to know them and love them and show them an alternative. Do you, are you tracking with me? Okay, Ross, it's how much more time? Nine minutes. This floor squeaks. It's a trap door is what it is. Okay, finally. Would you turn to the book of Ephesians? Clear over in the New Testament. And what I'm trying to do is just take a thread and tie it in from this fantastic passage in Psalm 8. Give it some personality in Genesis 1, but then let's say, how does this play itself out in our lives, okay? And this is where we get to the put the cookies on the lower shelf and we begin to grasp how we pull this off. Oh, may I just mention, I can't get away from this. So many of scriptures are pointing to this, but in verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has right now blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You ready for this? If, if we had the drums up here, uh, Scott, we would do a drum roll. And then we'd have a cymbal crash. Just as he chose you. 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 Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons. What does that make us in relationship to each other's brothers? Through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Three times this phrase is used in verse 6, in verse 12, and in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Why would he do that? Because he crowned us with his glory. Psalm 8. But if we go over to chapter 5, look at verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice of, to God as a fragrant aroma. What do people sense? What do they smell? If you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you're just pulled off of Memorial onto 101st, and the wind's blowing out of the south, you have this incredible compulsion to turn right after about one block. I have to fight it every time. Do you know why? The theater is about two blocks away, and it has that aroma of popcorn. And my wife and I love popcorn. There's something so enticing about that fragrant aroma. 
that wants me to turn right and go get some of that? What is there about our lives that causes people to want to get some of that? But it says we're to be imitators of God as beloved children. The word for imitator there is to mime or to mimic. We have a model in Christ. Um, I remember growing up and we'd have these big rainstorms and they'd wash the fence out and my dad would say, son, put on your brother's boots. We're going to go fix fence. That was my sister's boots. I forgot. <laughs> and I remember walking through this deep mud and I remember following him. I carried the little can of, it was a Folgers can full of staples. He had the hammer. And I remember trying to step my, put my footprints in his steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Are we taking his steps? Are we in step with him? If we're not in step with him, we're probably in step with the world. And the world's never been in step with him. Be mimickers of him, the privilege to imitate him. The fragrant aroma, the privilege of imitating him. Just the thought, just humor this a second. Um, God says, Bruce, we're going to walk into a hostile environment. Monday morning at 8 o'clock. We're probably going to be surrounded with the majority of people who don't have a clue who Jesus is. Bruce, let's see what we can do. Does that give us a purpose for waking up? Amen. To be able to reflect his character. To be able to reproduce that character. To walk in, as it says in Colossians chapter 1, just make notation because he's about to pull the trap door, around verse 25, 26, 27. To be able to walk into the room as one who's been infected with the glory of God. You know what it calls it? The hope of glory. To walk into that business room People competing, taking each other down. You've got to cover it. No. To walk in as one who is a reflection of the very glory of God and hope. Um, I want to just do something first. My, my, my daughter, who I'm so proud of, is with me today. She's one of the most creative people I've ever met. That's just not something that's natural. She was created in the image of God. If God was creative, does it not make sense that he's gifted some of us with that creation, creative ability? Whether it's athletics, whether it's music, whether it's finance, whether it's being an IT person, which I can't relate at all to. Each one of us bring that element, that 
character of God into the workplace, and people have seen who God is. They have that fragrant aroma. And then it says in verse 15, one of my favorite parts of this really brings it down to what I do in everyday life. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, know what God's will is. Well, what's God's will? It's to reflect his character. It's to be an imitator of him. And I think there's three things we can do when it comes to that practice these things. Number one, I think it, what happens on Friday morning at 6.30 is pivotal in the life of this congregation. That's where the real changes take place. To be able to have time together, both individually and as corporately, to pray for each other and for the ministry God has given Centennial Church in this community. The second one is, and I have every bit of confidence, I've watched this guy, I've heard him teach, he is committed to the word of God. Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Take Psalm 119, one paragraph a day, it keeps the devil away. Every verse of the 146 verses in Psalm 119 says something about God's laws, his words, his statutes. One paragraph a day. And a third thing I think that really helps us in practice, and if you look at my attache over there, you'll find my black notebook. I journal a lot. I write most of my prayers. I do it in code because I don't want people to know what I'm praying for. So if they ever got my book, well, I wouldn't be in trouble. Just write down observations of what God's teaching you, who you're praying for, what you're praying for to happen in your own life. And then finally, discovering our significance through power. And it's 1-8. It says, but you shall receive power when Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. That took place in Pentecost. It's active today if you have a relationship with Christ can't deny it. And that word witness, you know what it means? I don't think it means going out necessarily and sharing the gospel, but living the gospel in such a way, in such a magnetic way, that as I felt sucked into the heavens, the presence of God, people feel sucked into the relationship with Christ because of what they're observing in our lives. And I do think we need to say it too. But to journal. Do not be drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, verse 18. But rather be filled with that power. Speaking to one another in hymns and songs and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart as unto the Lord. Giving thanks in all things. Be in submission to one another in the fear of Christ. Do you know what that means? As we walk in the fullness of His Spirit, and it's a choice, it changes how we speak. It changes our demeanor. Speaking to one another in hymns and songs, it just communicates the, the vibrance of God. The second thing is being able to give thanks in all things. Any political election, we came and visited 
my niece yesterday has just been diagnosed within the last few days of leukemia. God, I have no idea what you're doing here, but I want to thank you for Sarah. And I thank you for how you're going to manifest your grace and your glory through this which we have no control of in this temporary life. Giving thanks in all things. That's an act of submission, really. And then being in submission to one another to consider the other person as more important than himself. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. Let me just make a comment before they come up and minister it to us in music. There's some of us here for the first time realize, you know what? I had no idea that God created me in his image, just the little Lord himself, to have a significant role in the culture that we're in today. I would really ask for us to rethink that and say, God, I want to consider who you are and what you've done and why I'm here and where I fit as a believer. Most of us don't understand that. And there's some of us here today that says, Bruce, you know what? For the first time in my life, I begin to see what it is to have a relationship with Christ. If you've never before placed your trust in Jesus Christ, boy, there's never going to be a better time to do it than right this moment. And I'm going to give you that opportunity as I wrap it up right now. If what I pray expresses the desire of your heart, I would invite you to pray silently with me as I pray out loud something like this. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I thank you for crowning me with glory and honor. I thank you for your son Jesus who went to the cross for me and paid the price for my sins. I want to receive that forgiveness right now and become your child. And based upon nothing but your word, I want to thank you for coming into my life right now. If you prayed that prayer, I know Ross and the guys up here, people here in the front row, they'd love to talk to you about it. Father, again, we thank you for who you are, what you've done, and our significance in you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.